Hello, welcome to the latest edition of Hammers Pod. Big Dave joined tonight by Richie and Gary to, to preview the Bournemouth game coming tomorrow night. Or tonight, by the time you, you're probably listening to this. Uh, and to look at the transfer window. Uh, Gary, I'll come to you first. How, how are you feeling ahead of tomorrow? It's a tough one. Uh, Bournemouth are hard to call for me because I've seen them about four or five times this season. And I feel like they create an awful lot of chances. It just depends whether they convert all of them. And then I think attacking-wise, they have a good mix of pace and strength, which I think is potentially tricky for us. I think you've seen us at times when we play on the back foot, struggle with people running in behind, struggle with people finding space behind the fullbacks. And when you think about Cliver, Sinistera, some of the wide players they've got, they could cause us a bit of trouble in behind. So I think that's my only trepidation going into tomorrow, is how they attack us and find space behind the defence. Yeah, I'll go with that. Um, obviously, Soufal is suspended, isn't he? So that will see Johnson come in at right back. Um, I think one of the questions we, we have to wait for the answer for is if Solanke is still there or if he manages a move to, to Spurs. Um, because looking at Spurs tonight, I think they're going to push hard for something because they need something. They are. They're desperate. Their season is pittering out, uh, you know. And I think Solanke would be a good fit for anyone, really. Um, I'd certainly get 50 million. Not too sure. That's a big price tag for him. I'd probably say somewhere around the 35, mm. 240 um, ceiling of 40. Um, but they are energetic, Bournemouth, and they started off a bit sluggish, but. That happens when you get a new manager in. You've got to find your style. You've got to find your way. And, and Bournemouth was struggling with that. But now they're starting to to do the way the manager wants. And, um, you know, as Gary just said, it, as soon as he said it, I thought of Sheffield United. They created so many chances, just didn't score them. And, and I was stood there at the time thinking, if we were playing a better team, they'll score these chances. And that's something that Bournemouth could do to us. Yeah. Yes, it'll be nice to have Kudus back tomorrow. Um, but where do we fit Phillips in? Where are we left midfield? Who's coming? Who's going? There's so many questions over tomorrow for me. I'm just just looking through Bournemouth's run of form, and it, it's I suppose how confident you feel going into tomorrow is a marker of how big and how successful you see West Ham at the moment. Because if you get a recent form. Uh, they've lost uh, two of their last 11 against Liverpool and Spurs. They've drawn one against Villa. Before that, uh, they lost their two, so effectively four in 13, but the two they lost before that run of 11 was, was to Man City, uh, the cup game against Liverpool in a League Cup. So they are a side that, that can be beaten mm. by, in, in the case of Liverpool and, and Spurs, front foot aggressive teams. I don't know if Pakatar's fit. I think if Pakatar was fit, uh, I've heard reports he might not be in February, but that we, we see him again. But I, I, I do think if we've got a front three of Pakatar, Kudus, and Bowen, that we can win this game. I think as good as Solanke's form has been, if Alvarez is back as well, you, you, Alvarez is going to track him. Alvarez is going to going to close a space down that that Solanke likes to to find in and around the area. And we've got a front three that will get goals. Two from three ain't bad, though. If Kudus and Bowen are fit, I'd, yeah, you talk about where you fit Phillips in. 
Perhaps Suchek is annoying. He's a target man. Bowen and Kudos off him. Phillips, Alvarez, Will Prowse in midfield. I think Ings will start again. Judging from yeah, what Yeah, I was going to say, coming. Ings, he had a great game at Sheffield United. Yeah. Confidence with up. You know, he played deeper. Do we <laughs> do we play with, a, if you like, a false nine? Ings comes back as a 10. And, and your, your top three are kind of at a, a number 10 level and then looking to get in behind. Yeah. Sounds silly because you're inviting pressure on yourself. But if, you, if you've if you got Bowen and, and Kudus that can get you in the box and they can do, and they can do what Ben Rama doesn't, they can cut it back to Ings. Ings can get in the box. Kudus and Bowen can pull the ball back. Bowen, uh, sorry, Ben Rama, he just goes across. He doesn't pick his player. He doesn't, you know, um, so Ings could work. Yeah. yeah, I think if you look at those live score results, there's not too many clean sheets in there. That's the thing I would say. When they win, they do tend to concede as well. So they're not, I guess, the most solid team defensively. And I think that does give us chances um, to maybe yeah, find I mean, a little spaces in there. QPR put two past them. Obviously, that was a comeback win from Forest, put two past them. Uh, uh, Manchester United didn't score against them. Even with That's their informants, well, Anthony scored now, so he's he's finally found his level. We'll, we'll come on to that, but that'll be that'll be Friday's pod. I'll give you a chance to talk about Man United in a, in a bit, Richie. Yeah. So I don't, I mean, you're gonna make Friday, are you? Um, but so, so yeah, I mean, this is this is this is what I'm saying. Like, I think if you if you've got that front three, there is goals. We can get a Brent, um, a Bournemouth. I've got I've got every other B team in my head at the moment. Too many B's in the Premier uh, League. Bournemouth, there is. Burnley go down well, there, so that's one less. Yeah, Brighton Brighton struggling. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Three I wins think, yeah, and 16 for the Derby. Yeah, that's... Um, it, did you see that's that Brighton... Obviously, the one against us was like their first clean sheet in something like 23 games, wasn't it, as well, weirdly? Yeah, that's why they were celebrating. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they went out to a restaurant after, didn't they? <laughs> it's like Ranieri's pizza all over again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, though. I think there's a challenge tomorrow to get the midfield right, because I think you saw it a little bit when we played them in the first game, but every time I've seen them, they've got like a real drive. Like They've got people who can carry the ball in midfield. I know Lewis Cook was injured for a while, but when I've seen him play this season, he's great at that. Philip Billin can do the same thing. Alex Scott seems to be able to do that as well. So I think the challenge is midfielders joining the attack as well. They seem to be really good. And maybe that's Iriola ball, but like getting the ball from one end of the pitch to the other quickly. So they might also... I know we like to counter teams. So it might actually be a really open game in that sense because I know they can really attack with pace as well. No new incoming. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say on that, I think you can, you know, if you look at a, oh, I don't know, Ward Prowse could probably play left mid. He's if done that a few for, times, hasn't he? Like yeah, if you, go for, if you go for like a, a Suchek, Alvarez and Phillips as your middle three, it would stifle out that, but it would become a very like boring game. It would become a noisy game. And I'm gonna I'm gonna repeat myself again, which is probably gonna annoy a few listeners. Football doesn't have to be pretty, it has to be effective. Now, if you play like that and you win one nil, two one, two nil, you've got your result. You know, you've beaten Bournemouth at home, you've got your result. Does it have to be flashy? 
No, it has to be effective. And you look at where we are. We've been effective in Europe. We've won another group again. We're sixth in the league. We're, you know, we're, we're what, eight points behind Villa? You know, you get three tomorrow, that's five. Villa are the best team that are challenging the top four at the moment, according to all the, the media and the pundits and this, that and the other. You know, we're up there and we're up there on merit. Um, and, you know, you go back a few years and it'd be, wow, look at West Ham breaking in and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, they're, how they're talking about Villa now. But now they're just seeing it as a given. It's like, this is the norm. It still isn't the norm. <laughs> it's, it really still is not the norm. Yeah. We're hanging in there on the coattails and we're doing all right. Yeah. I think the only other worry for me when I was thinking about Bournemouth is that if it is that kind of Moisey game where like it's in the trenches and it's tight, I feel like they've got good options to change the game off the bench. So I know you're a fan of Antoine Semenyo, Dave, like a few times when I've seen him come on, he can really add a different element. Or when they were 2-0 down against QPR the other week in the Cup, I saw quite a lot of the highlights of that game. They just brought Kiefer Moore on and they just lumped corners up to like the former lifeguard six foot four massive try in the box and and got two goals back quickly so i suppose that's the only worry with obviously potentially some outgoings for us by tomorrow as well is what can we do off the bench if it is quite a tight game and how will they would they be able to respond better is something i was thinking about well this is the problem we're going to have going forward is that if ben rama's off to leon then we all know that plan b is just plan a with side ben rama yeah we need someone else in um uh, and I don't know why we haven't. If, you know, you, this Jota, you would have known about the problems with the taxes. You would have known this a month ago. You know, why are we getting to three days before the end of the window, before all this is coming out? You, you knew about it. Deal should have been done if you wanted him. Do we actually want him? Is he a Premier League player? Yeah. I'm not sure. Not convinced. Right at um, this time, the window it was... We the, the noises where we need to get people out to free up funds, whether that was loans to get loans out to get loans in or sell people to get people in. And that was very much the message from the off. And we haven't really offloaded anyone other than carer on loan out of significance. And everything's happening last minute again, like you say. It's just end of the window standard stuff. It's strange. Yeah, there's no business that can be done in January. But I'm not being funny. We've, we've got players to get rid of. There are teams that want players. There are probably players that want to get out of clubs as well, that are not getting minutes at other, at other clubs. So I think there is stuff to do. I just think it's owners being... Own, look, it's easy when it's not your money, but I think there's people being tight. Um, and, and you've got to look at the... You've, you've got to look at the wages and stuff like that. You know, the talk of Ben Rama, he's on... 65 a week and Leon will only pay him 45 a week you know 65 will put him as a top earner out there and that's above their wage structure so why is he going to move for 20 grand a week less you know he's he's falling out with Moyes Moyes ain't happy with him he's not rating him he got sent off at Bristol City his days are numbered but what sort of attitude has he got I can go and play football but I could still be here and train and still be on hundred grand a month extra. Yeah. It's yeah, half a million quid over five over over five months. It's half a million quid. 
Leon are in a relegation battle as well. So it's like, you know, is it out of a frying pan into a fire? I know he won't play much here, but then is he going to be in a relegation battle and in a struggling team? So has he got the fight? Yeah. Well, what do you think? With Brentford are, yeah. are in a relegation battle as it stands, especially the way that Luton keeps picking up points. And if Everton can get some of those 10 points back, I mean, they're a mid-table side in... I know, I know a relegation battle, but they're three points off of Chelsea. If you look at, uh, yeah, if you used to reinstate the points that they've earned on a field, that's that's where they are. The thing that, that alarms me about Jota, to go back to him, is that Ange Postecoglou hasn't got a lot wrong so far at Spurs. He's had Jota at Celtic. If he thought he could play in a team in the top six Premier League team, I think he would have moved for him at Spurs, especially given they spent... 48 million quid on, on Brennan Johnson um, in the summer. Jota would have been a cheaper option. They'd, if they've got the option to go and get him now and they thought that, you know, Orange Postigoglu thinks he's good enough for the Premier League, then no, he, would have, he would have made that move by now. Instead, they've been linked with this guy that Brentford are getting Noosa. Um, they've been linked with Solanke now. So I'm not, I'm not convinced by Jota on that count. I don't watch a lot of Scottish football. It's... He's not really an comparison. He didn't do the raid on any of the former Celtic players. So I suppose it sort of shows that he didn't think anyone that he worked with over a, a two to three year period like fit the Spurs system or wasn't like that much of a star player. They could come in and um, tick a box. And I can't really think of the last time a player come over from the Scottish Premiership and smashed it, like past the, the Celtic to Southampton influx. I'm, yeah, I'm sorry, struggling. Matt Van Dijk, probably the last. Yeah. And the gap's just too big, probably. Um, yeah, I, th- I think it is. Uh, and y- you've got to... We're at a stage now with teams that you have to push yourself to a next-level player. And and this is what West Ham are doing now. Ben Rama, four nails, Cornet, they've hit a shelf life of, of being at West Ham. The way that... Moyes wants to play and he wants to be dynamic, but he's got to work with what he's got. But your four nails, Ben Rami, your Cornet don't fit in that system. And that's why they've gone and got Alvarez and Kudus. Yeah, they've played in the Champions League. So they are that next step player to bring into West Ham. And that's what they're looking for. They, If you want to bring players into West Ham, they've got to be that next step level above what you are now. And they've got to be on parallel with your Bowen and your Kudus and your Alvarez. That's why I don't think Jota fits that mould. I think he's going to be an average player and we don't need to go and push the boat out on an average player to fill a spot in a squad. We, we just don't need to do that. So it's The recruitment has got to be right. And again, this Osman that they were looking at, were they confident that he'd come in and hit the ground running like Kudus? No, I don't think they were. So is it worth spending 20 million on a player like that who might not even, he won't get a look in this season? And what's he going to be like next season? You know, keep tabs on him a bit longer. There's no one really out there that is that next level. And that's the problem. And if there is, you're going to have to pay for it. Yeah. Yeah, I think in context, so the, you know, considering the only other big one really was probably Timo Werner to Spurs, I think 
in the context of what everyone else is doing and the limits of financial fair play, I would have liked us to get a left back and a striker and maybe Ben Rama out and someone in. But Calvin Phillips, we did need more bodies in midfield and to get someone of potentially that quality, I suppose in the context of no one else really signing other players. If we did maybe get Ben Rama out and someone in, we might look back on it and go, we had one of the better ones out of everyone in the Premier League. Yeah, I think if you look at where our success has been in transfer business, and I said this on the last probably with regards to Phillips, Phillips is, is a step down because he's, he's come from Man City where he didn't quite make the grade, wasn't quite good enough for whatever reason. You know, he's, he's had his professionalism questioned to an extent by, by Guardiola with his comments about his weight and so on. Um, players that, that take that step down don't generally tend to work. And if you look at Everton, I think Everton's a great example of a club that's signed too many players on their way down and is now stuck in this mess. The players that have done well for us, and you can go through Soufal, Suchek, um, Bowen. I'd say Ben Rama as well. You know, I think, although he's been poor this season, he's, he's if you look at the balance of his overall West Ham career, it's been more, more bad or more good than bad. The players who make the step up, tend to do better for us than the players that are, are on their way down. So I'd be, if, and I, I don't watch Danish football, I don't know how good Norseland are. Um, I've seen them play, actually. I saw them lose one of those horses tonight after we played Silkborg in Denmark. Um, but I, I couldn't, I mean, I don't think Osman was there then. If, if we think he's going to be good enough, and sometimes you have to take a gamble with these players. And if he's not ready for six months or a year, but you can get him in and develop him and get him up to Premier League speed in training and playing him, you know, giving him 10 minutes here, 20 minutes there, like we do, like we should be doing with our, our under-21s. Then 20 million in, in this day and age, in this market, is probably worth a risk. It depends on wages as well, doesn't it? Playing. Problem is, we've spent quite a bit on those kind of 15 to 20 million players. Like a Cornet, for example, is that sort of 15 to 20 million, and you think he might be worth a chance, and then he doesn't pay off. Um, it's, it's too hard to call, isn't it? Because sometimes yeah. we bring those players in and we don't play the way that suits them, or we take the risk and then we don't spend enough time giving them enough chances. So it's, it's such a tough one. But I definitely agree that the people on the upward trajectory, you know, like. Um, like you said, the ones coming up from the championship or a different league, like even going back beyond that, like Antonio Cresswell, there's a lot mm. of players we've signed on that on that way up. And Lingard came in and done well. Yeah, I think he's the example that works because typically the ones that we were getting on the way down were obviously past their prime. They would be like the Zabaletas, the Evras, the people who are like already 34, 35. But Lingard was 28, like similar to where Phillips is now and maybe it's just because we got them so late the ones we got before that's why they didn't work and it uh, could be that I'm good I'm gonna throw a left field one in here that, that might cause a bit of debate I might have looked at Martial there's going to be a player in there somewhere it's just like who's going to be the one that gets him out because is that did he go to Seville on loan yeah he, he had a, he had a loan yeah, to yeah. Seville and he didn't yeah. didn't pull up any trees I mean if you're gonna yeah. you're gonna pull a I mean Sancho might have been interesting there are say Marcus Rashford's, you know, we're gonna look at Man United yeah. players that yeah, they're probably looking to get out of the door. Whose wages are too high, Rashford? Yeah. I draw the line at three hundred a week. He's on three hundred. If only they had a promising winger they bought from Ajax. If only they had a promising winger they bought from Ajax, you know. Yeah. Maybe we could take him on loan and get the best out of him. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah. But yeah, yeah I think Martial would have fitted the mould right for yeah. us. 
uh, for a loan. Yeah, I think you know United. The problem from from the outside looks at, like at United that he's not really a central striker, and he's been asked to play there time and time again because of United's poor recruitment in that position. And actually, if he just had a run of games playing in a free with someone else to work off of, maybe he could be a good player. So um, you never know. Weird things happen on deadline day, so it could come out of nowhere. That's yes, <laughs> yeah. Do we think we do anything tomorrow? We we had we don't need where well, we say at Martial. I mean we had Martial, but we've loaned him at West Brom. Well, apparently there's a nice documentary <laughs> we've released on YouTube, so yeah. uh, I look forward to watching that. Probably while I'm uploading it in this. Yeah, I don't know if we'll see unless we get someone out. I don't think we get anyone in, but I think now we're kind of at that point where, like you said earlier, Richie, like Ben Rama staying doesn't really make any sense. So hopefully he can go somewhere, even if it's on loan, and we get someone else on loan. But I can see Max one player coming in tomorrow. I think. Yeah, I think it depends. I think we need because um, I can see four nails going. I think four nails probably does want to leave, and he probably needs to leave. He's you know he was a good, promising attacking midfielder that has been sort of converted to a left winger. I, I thought he played well in, against Bournemouth actually on the opening day, and he was yeah. I think he played more of a deeper central midfield role that day. Um, so I, I, I can see four nails go. I can't see Cornet leaving. I know he's been linked with Forrest and Everton. I'd be very surprised if. If he goes out of the door, I know Ings has been linked. I'll be surprised. I can see obviously Ben Rama and Fournells. Uh I'd like to think we get at least one in, if not two. But this late in the window, bearing in mind we have a game tomorrow night, it's hard to see how or where the transfer business gets done. And it's a risk because you've seen over the last few weeks where we've had injuries to attacking players and the effects, the detrimental effect that's had on our, our squad. And on results, it, it would be a huge risk if we genuinely want to finish, I think, in a European spot this year. Um, if if we don't strengthen and bring another option in, because we, we do need someone. You're not going to find another Kudus, Bone or Pakatar that's going to play second fiddle, but you need someone who isn't isn't far off that level. And it has to be a player in the Championship if, if we've done our scout. I know there's a kid at Norwich that we've been linked with, Rowe. Um, we've got I think I'm right in saying we've still got two two domestic lines we can use. So, yeah, maybe we can get a body in that way. Yeah, I think part of it is though, like Antonio, is sort of. I know we've forgotten about Antonio a bit because Bowen, Paqueta, and Kudus were playing so well as a free. But I think Antonio coming back adds another dimension, adds something else. And I think having seen what Ings has done over the last few weeks, if he can just get that goal. And we can continue playing a bit more to his strengths. I don't see, I can't, it's not out of the realms of possibility that he actually maybe gets on a bit of run and finds his confidence back again. And um, I think with players coming back, I think maybe they are thinking just keep the powder dry until the summer and be sure about the players we bring in as opposed to panicking now. But it's annoying because like you said, we there's a chance for us to kick on and, and really challenge the top six again. And is it worth breaking the bank now for someone? But with all the financial fair play restrictions, can you break the bank? So it's a bit of a dilemma, but I think the in people coming back from injuries will will change that picture anyway. Yeah, I think uh, with, with Antonio, there's a player there now that needs that, that probably is in great impact. So he's a great option to come off the bench for the last half hour of a game if you need to batter a centre half. You know, you just need a battery in round. So you can, I mean, he can do everything, can't he, in that respect. So you can hold a ball up if you need to target man. He can run the channels and he can get on the last man. But it's, 
it's it's not you can't play him for 90 minutes anymore. I, I think that that is very obvious. No, and I think that's why we we really need to to get a striker. Um, oh, I'll be honest, I thought Ings was going to go this window, but there's just no noise on him at all. No noise at all. Yeah, I think we're fine. we're a weird time where maybe the one area clubs at the bottom don't need to strengthen is probably strikers like. Luton have got a couple of options that are getting goals. I think Brentford and Palace are down there and they've got some players who can score goals. Burnley have got a couple of okay looking attacking players. Sheffield United already brought in Ben Brer and Diaz. And yeah, I think if there was clubs really desperate, didn't have any strikers, you might see some of them trying to go in and get Ings. But everyone in the lower half has more or less got players of a similar standard. So I agree. I thought we'd go at the start, but I'm not surprised the uh, interest hasn't materialised. Wages again as well, isn't it? A lot of money for. You know that's the problem when these players get put on these contracts, and and you, you you pay it to get them in because you need them, and then you don't use them, and you can't offload them because you you're going to have to contribute to yeah. 50, 60, 70 percent of their wages. Yeah, and not only that, they don't have a sell-on value as well because they're they're not a, yeah. a wanted commodity, and they also their wages are too high, so you take a loss on the wages and a loss on the transfer fee, and. That's why the panic buying kind of has to stop, I guess. Yeah. All right. Yeah, definitely. But Dave, I think you got some questions, didn't you? I was say you got some, we've got some questions from Twitter. I, I don't normally advertise when we're recording, but I did ask some questions because I was aware that if we only had Bournemouth and some transfer room, or, yeah, put Bournemouth and some transfer room, we to comment on that we might have a very short pod. Uh, so we've got four questions in. I'll go first with, with JP at Iron Sparky 985. He said, will Moyes still feel Antonio will be like a new signing when he's 40 and still playing him as our main striker? <laughs> I mean, the track record suggests yes, because we're however many years in now and they've not found a, another striker who can do the very specific things Moyes wants to do. So, uh, yeah, I think strapping is another four or five years of this in the in the offing. Yeah, he'll, he'll end up as a deep number 10 at one point and he'll just hover around... The edge of the centre circle. Yeah. Yeah. It is interesting, though, because if I was them and I was like, this is the way we're going to play and this is the game plan long term, I would just send one scout and just say, never come back until you find me a young player like Antonio who can play this system. Um, if it takes you a year, just come back in a year. Don't come back with a Skamaka or a Haller. Just come back with a Antonio 2.0, 22-year-old striker who looks like he can play the same way problem is Moyes can't afford to do that because there's so many people that want him out of the job <laughs> he hasn't got a year to scout someone yeah that's true <laughs> well that, that man could have been giving Obama but I watched him the night he played the first 45 minutes against Dinamo Zagreb and it's always difficult because I, I can I never I can't recall a player who's ever stepped up to, to the first team squad or a first team player ever playing in an under 23 or an under 21 game and, and playing well. Ben Johnson this season didn't stand out playing under 21 football, needed the kind of commentary after his loans. I've seen Yarmolenko play for the under 23s. I've seen Bonner. Bonner probably had the best of the players I've seen playing on the under but he was just, you know, it was easy work for him. It was bread and butter, and he just did what he had to do. Uh, and Barber tonight just tripped over the ball a couple of times. Uh, he had a he had a goal disallowed for offside that bounced off his shin because the keeper dropped it on him, and he was hauled off. Uh, it's a bit difficult to read into. Mm. Like I said, players that got the first team don't generally come back down and, and succeed. But it, it's 
very hard to see he needs a loan spell it's very hard mm. to see him having a professional career without some time certainly on loan in league one if if not possibly in the championship yeah yeah i've i've said this dave since you know when I, i've watched him when he's come on um i think he's probably at the moment a good player for a league one promotion chasing team um championship i'd be doubtful on um definitely not premier league um and, and that's the problem you know he's 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 come on in europe and and done okay in europe but look let's be honest it, it's it was the conference league let's let's not get away from it it's it is part-timers and farmers um you know he's a decent footballer in there but I think there's many of us that don't have to be professional that could probably still shine a little bit in mm. some of them games. So I think Mbamba is is more of a, a, a you know a, a, a promotion chase in League One team at this moment. Uh, he's got to, uh, he's got a lot to improve on for me to, to cut it at, as a stri- lone striker at West Ham. Yeah. Let's get him down to Wickham. We can join the other two boys down there in a the little mini West Ham. Anyone I'd like else? To can Tonight, yeah. Uh, I mean, we, we've had two games. Obviously, we played Friday night, played Stoke, uh, the under twenty ones, and we played tonight against Dean Moser Green. The one guy that did stand out, and it was noticeable for I think tonight because Wickham beat Brighton under twenty ones four one in the Johnson's Paint Trophy, and obviously we lost at Wickham in the last round. Uh, uh, Michael Forbes in that game played a fairly bad back pass that I think Joseph Anang was in goal that they made a made a bit of a rick with, and it led to their second goal. But I thought the last the last two games, Michael Falls has really stood out for me at centre half, and uh, I mean the group tonight were were poor. It was I mean they 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 probably could have got a local amateur side in to to put a team out, and they they wouldn't have done any worse than Zagreb. It was, um, but yeah, Falls. I thought Falls dealt with everything. You know, he's that kind of mistake. Hmm. Let's not pretend the Johnson's paying trophies of Champions League, but it's it's a senior cup competition for for lower league sides. Um, and that was that that could have been uh, a difficult point for him to overcome, but he's overcome it, I think. And I thought he's, he, he looked well. Earthy, Kelly, Orford all played well. Orford had a good finish that was ruled out for offside. I was a bit far away to to get an accurate call on it. It was the other end of the pitch from us, but it was it was a good finish. Great, great finish, regardless. Ollie Skulls played well. Mm. The usual, the usual suspects, I'd say, yeah. but but I will give a shout out to Michael Forbes because I think he's he's played really well given you know, given the last month. Mm. How's the um, centre back Luizo, who was brought in as a promising centre back um, and and put into that team to to beef up, get his game up? We we're not hearing anything about him. We're not seeing him in any squads. What was he? You know, and we're going to talk about him being on the parallel with this Osman. If you're going to waste 20 million quid on Osman, we spent money on this Luizzo to come in as a centre half and give him time in the under 23s, but mm. there's, there's no noise. No, I'll, I'll be honest, he's he's not going to make. I would be very surprised if Luizzo makes a grade. Um, out, out of the four centre halves we've got in the under 23s, Forbes, Casey, Lang, and, and Luizzo, he's, he's probably the fourth choice, if I'm being honest. I think. Uh, Lang, I think Lang was an unused sub today. Casey, I think, superb. I think Kane and Casey's a, a superb centre half. Um, easily the best of the bunch. Levi Lang's a good player. Forbes, he's starting to starting to come come strong. But yeah, I I don't think we're going to see Luzal 
you know, in a fir- make a first team appearance of, of any sort. I expect he'll he'll end up back in Brazil on loan and, and probably given a free back there at the end of his contract. Mm. All right, second to a question from Liam K nineteen ninety eight. Good man is Liam. Will West Ham win another trophy under David Moyes? Richie, you're a David Moyes man. I'll let you answer that first, and then me and Gary will tell you why you're wrong. <laughs> Just let me know before you throw a double decker bus at me to go under, wouldn't you? <laughs> um, no, I, I'm I'm going to say no. Um, Europa is our only chance, and Liverpool are in there. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter what you do. I don't think we'd beat Liverpool in the final, especially under all this. Clop stuff at the moment. Um, is and he, there is he leaving other... at the end of the season? I haven't heard. I've heard. I've heard something, mate. I'm not <laughs> sure how true it is. Um, I, I saw something written on the back of a toilet door or something. So you can never believe them sort of things, can you? Um, but um, no, I think there are better teams in the in the Europa League. Um, look at how we've whimpered out of the FA Cup. Look at how we didn't have a go at Liverpool in the Carabao, which was a route to, you know, a semi-final, for heaven's sake. We just didn't turn up. So, yeah, the, you know, the cup final win last year, the mentality was there. I think the, I think the, what's the word I'm looking for? The bounce was there. The the confidence was there. The, the flow was there. It all led into it. We, we were, on the crest of a wave, I, I think our league form is is good, but you know our cups are a bit, you know, are dodgy now. And I think Europa will will go out of it at some stage. Um, will he then win a cup again after that? I think if anything, he'll have two years tops if he does stay. I think he's probably got about two years left in him before a change. Uh, and I, I I don't see it. Unfortunately, I'd like to say yes, but. I, you know, if I gonna put my gonna go with my head, that's what that's where I'd be. Yeah, I agree. I think there's you need that momentum that we had in the first year with the Europa League, and <clears throat> unfortunately, I don't think that's there. And I think we're also going to come across stiffer tests if we do get further. It just seems like a much stronger competition from the last time we were in it. You know, Milan are in it, Roma, um, Lons, who we played in pre-season, who looked good, Benfica, <clears throat> Liverpool. Yeah, Leverkusen, Brighton. It's just such a high thing. And then there's just some sort of mental block or tactical hurdle that we can't get over in the domestic cup competitions, you know, like for a consistent thing. Because remember that year, same year as the Europa League run, we beat Man United, we beat Man City, but then we ended up with Tottenham. So with the luck of the draws done us, we go to Liverpool and we just don't show anything in that one there. We get dumped out by Bristol City over two games. So, yeah. He seems to know how to win European games, but we're going to come up against far tougher tests this time. And with the cup games in domestically, there's just too much of a hurdle there. It seems. I, I yeah, the counter attacking football suits, suits Europe. You know, counter attack. You, you suck it up. You suck it up, and and we are blistering on the attack. You know, and, and that's what gets you out of trouble. You know, if if four nails can run from the halfway line and get round a few people and, and score a goal. You know, he's not the fastest boy on the pitch. You know, that's that's the that's the level we were at, let's be honest. I think I mean the other thing as well that gets overlooked is that the money in the Premier League, if you if you win a Premier League game and finish a place higher, it's worth two and a half million quid. How many games have you got to win for the Carabao Cup and how much is that worth? And I think that factors into 
a lot of team selections. Same with the FA Cup, obviously the money, the financial reward isn't there compared to the, the Premier League. And until the money drops out of the Premier League, uh, and there's some glory in the Cups again, I don't think we're going to we're gonna see David Moyes attack. Gets you into Europe, a Cup win. I'd love to see us there. I think, it, imagine how many tickets we'd sell for a Wembley final. It, well, it would just be everything we could get our hands on. It'd be so good to see that many West Ham fans at a domestic Cup final. I'd just love mm. to have that day out, personally. Yeah, as long as it's yeah. not a repeat of 2006. Would be would be good. Uh, I'll move on then to the next question. This is quite an interesting one. It's from Jack Manning uh, at Jack R. K. Manny. Uh, given the position West Ham are in currently, where do you think we'll be in 10 years' time? Pushing for a title, mid-table obscurity, relegation. I know it's impossible to predict, but can you see us pushing on or is this our peak? I'll let you go first, Gary. I threw Richie under a bus last yeah. time. I'll, I'll throw you under the bus this time. I think football's just too cyclical for anyone other than the big clubs. So your time doesn't last that long. We saw this with Wolves. They had those years under Nuno, finishing sixth and seventh, good Europa League run, and then normality resumes. Um, we saw it with Southampton like, under Koeman probably a decade ago. Brighton are having their purple patch now. The norm always seems to revert because there's just not the funds or the budget there normally to be that consistent for that long. And you also can't punch above your weight for that long. So I think we'll still be a Premier League club. We won't be in any trouble, but we'll just go through these spells of reverting back to the norm. Like Richie said earlier, this isn't the norm for us. This is a really good patch in our history, but we'll probably be mid-table again and then we'll find these little spells where we kick on for a year or two but when you're a team like us too many variables have to go in your favor for you to have a great run um like the year we finished fifth teams around us who you normally would be far more consistent we've seen this last year with man united and chelsea as well they go on these runs where they're terrible and you just you're able to capitalize on that but they all bounce back because they've got the funds so i think we'll just revert to norm kick on a bit have some below par seasons it'll just be like that i reckon for the next decade I think the obvious one you missed there was was Leicester, who of course got promoted, stayed up in, in that great escape under Pearson, won yeah. the league, then went and won an FA Cup, had two, was it fifth place finishes, uh, and then got relegated. Yeah. So anything is is possible in football. And let's be fair, it's the players we've got probably are going to move on. Can we reinvest the money and buy buy the right players that will that will keep us pushing? At some point, your luck runs out. Um, I don't. I don't think we'll be where we are now. I think we'll uh, probably be a lower to mid-table Premier League team if if we don't suffer relegation, which we are prone to uh, periodically. I think there's so many factors in the next ten years. I think stadium buyout is one. I think if if we can get onto the stadium, if we can get that, our, our income will just rocket skyrocket um yeah you look you look at blackburn who won the league and you know and leeds were were a top force and then they chased the dream of champions league and, and look what happened to them it's, you know as gary said the top teams tend to stay at the top however what happens now with all this super league and the reformat of the champions league business and you know, do these top teams end up having this kind of little breakaway that was muted a couple of years ago and people got slapped with fines, how Tottenham made it into that top in teams to be invited is beyond me. But, you know, that could be us soon. If we carry on as we are, we could end up with that dodgy invite. So I, I think 
I'm not sure where football's going to go in the next 10 years. It's not going to be like it is today. And I think there's so much change. So I'd have to sit on the fence because I just don't know where we'd be. I think we'd be, as we are kind of hovering around the eighth to fifth, I think we will be consistently up there if we keep with the model we've got. But then if if the teams disappear and do this whole new format and whatever else comes, we, we could be in we could be one of the top teams challenging for a title. Um it's not inconceivable, but it would take it would take four or five teams to disappear for us to do that. Um so yeah, I think it'll be much of the same as we are. All right, and the final question. I'll take this one then, seeing as I'll throw a new channel under the bus. From Feisty Fornells, Shag Mary Kill, Phillips, Will Prowse, Alvarez. Right. I'll be honest, I've, with Alvarez, I'd, I'll have to kill him, right? Because I think whatever happens with the other two options, he's going to make you the wire. Uh, I can see I can see Will Prowse making quite a nice wire from Phillips. He's got some cushion for the pushing, so I think that's, that's my three. Do any of you two want to answer that? I don't think you could kill Alvarez. They call him El Machine for a reason, so I'm not even going to try and kill Alvarez. So I'd just marry him. Uh, Ward Prowse has got lovely hair. I would have to shag Ward Prowse just for he's got such beautiful hair. Um, who's the other one? So I have to kill Calvin Phillips. That's a shame. I haven't gotten to know him yet, but yeah, what's it? Last, first, last in, first out. So sorry, Calvin, you, you're going to get killed off. Oh, what was it? Kill, shag and marry. Yeah, Phillips will um, yeah, Alvarez. You can't, you can't, you can't kill him um, because he'll just kill you. So um, I'd probably have to marry him because it'd be, you know, we wouldn't have any trouble when we were out, will we? Um, will Prowse and Phillips. Oh, he's a little cutie, isn't he, Phillips? He's a little, little cutie. Um, which one do I kill, Phillips or Ward Prowse? Ward Prowse could whip in a lovely little poached egg in the morning from around the door. Yeah, yeah, I think I might have to go. I, I don't know enough about Ward Prowse. I, I think I don't hear him say much or speak much. So I think I'm going to go over the fact that he's probably a little bit boring. So I'd have to kill him off. And and I like Phillips. So he he's he he's like a gent. And 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 I love the videos I've been seeing since he's joined. You know, I, he's. He kind of gets the mould of being a West Ham player already. Kind of, he just, he's just cuteness personified. So, yeah, I'm marrying him. Nice. Well, given given that we've just killed our entire midfield, as we've all murdered one each, Moise is going to have a busy day tomorrow in the transfer market. Presumably, yeah, he's going to yeah. collect life insurance payouts on him as well. All right, so Suchek, we call it? Suchek will just run it on his own. Yeah, yeah right, here you go, Suchik. Suchik, we'll, we'll re-sign Connor Coventry from Charlton. Easy. And uh, a £10 million deal. There you go. And, and there's a space for Antonio when he's fit. Yeah, there you yeah. go. <laughs> right, well, there you go. We've answered the big questions tonight. Let's wrap it up. I think we've been recording. <laughs> By the time this goes out, it's probably going to edit it down to about 40 minutes. So I think that's long enough. Before we go, actually, Rich, you, you, in case you can't, mate, we are planning on recording Friday. Uh, have you got any thoughts on Man United you want to share before we uh, before we disappear? Yeah, I think um, I think normally we'd be afraid of going to Old Trafford. I think there'd be trepidation, and you know, can we keep it to two or three nil? Um, but I think if we go at them, I, I, you know, look, we'll take the point. Let's be honest, I'll, I'll take the point all day long. Um, but we could win it. I, I think it's conceivable if we get at them. And their fans get on their back 
and they start searching hard. Uh, and there's nothing worse when you're tr- over trying to to play. You, you you end up then trying to find that perfect goal, and we can snuff that out. So if if we can get the lead, I, I fancy us to see it out. I really do because we will just go into that Moyes block mentality and just F1 behind the ball. And we learned a lesson from Sheffield United when we could have kicked it in the corners a couple of times. We could have had better retention of the ball. Um, so for once, and I can't remember the last time I said this, I'm not afraid. When I watched Man United at the London Stadium, they were the worst Man United team I've seen for a hell of a long time. They were shocking. And you do not associate them words with a club like Man United. They were awful. Um, so I'm not I'm not frightened of us going there and, and coming back with something. Yeah, I'll take the draw all day long. Um, but let's see what tomorrow takes out of us, the Bournemouth game. Because I think it's going to come pretty soon after the Bournemouth game. We haven't got the big squad. So it could depend on that. All right, let's have a prediction for tomorrow then. Who wants to go first? I reckon we nick it 2-1. Like I said, I can't see them keeping a clean sheet, but I also can't necessarily see us. So 2-1, just shade it. Yeah, I'm going to go with a 2-1 as well. I'm going to go... You know what, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go 4-0. I'm just... <laughs> just as you said that, I put my four finger. I knew he was going to go 4-0. As he was no, just you know going to say it, I put four fingers up onto the screen. 4-0, I knew he'd come out with it. Part of me is like... I don't know. I just, I've just got to think. Alvarez is back. You know, he's got the threat of a big Dave axe looming over him. You know, we're going to see a an Alvarez we've never seen before. We might finally see I, 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 his first red card of the season, the 89th minute. But yeah, and then he's going to lift it up and go, "That's for you, big Dave." Come on, bring it down. <laughs> that shirt's coming right though. up for you. He's going to look for you. I'll kill you. <laughs> That's a good point, actually. This is, if ever there's a time of getting out, get the, get the Mexican ghost, the ghost of, uh, of El Chapo. The ghost of El Chapo, which is going to be the ghost of Edson Alvarez. <laughs> we hope not. We hope not. Right. Cheers, guys. No worries. Cheers, fellas. <laughs> Come on, you irons. Come on, West Ham. Come on, you irons.